If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. All right, coaches, thanks for listening. This is uh, TJ Rosane alongside Sam Allen. Thanks for tuning in to the Hardwood Hustle uh, today. We've been journeying through the season, and we went through the preseason, then we went through the early season. Now we're going to talk about the middle part of the season uh, right here. And really, you know, we're, we're talking about everybody's journey, but also talking about specifically our journey, and we won a championship this year. And what did that journey look like, and what did it feel like? And in the preseason, we talked a lot about, you know, just laying the foundation, right? In the early part of the season, we talked about being flexible and adaptable and also sticking to the process and how you measure those things. And now we're in the middle of the season. You're starting to find out who your team is and what their roles are and where everybody fits in the best. And I think there's a lot of parts of the, the middle of the season that are crucial. I think, you know, one of, there's a couple of things that I think are really crucial. One, I think, is um, I love Christmas break particularly because I think it's a time to regroup and rebuild and, mm-hmm. and to refresh as well. Um, I also think this middle part of the season is crucial to prepare yourself for the stretch run as far as identifying roles. Absolutely. So, TJ, if you'll remember back in probably mid to late December, I was down, me and you were sitting in a hotel room in Florida. Y'all just gotten beat. You know, it was probably one of the worst losses you've had in yeah. the last several years. You know, you gave up a lot of points defensively. You know, you even referenced your dad talking about shorting your rotation. He and I had a breakfast during that same trip at the hotel where he was telling me, you know, he's like, TJ's playing too many people. But you and I were sitting up one night talking about your team and adjustments. And, you know, you you just gotten beat. But I could tell there was certain excitement that you had because you think I think you were starting to figure out what your team needed. Yeah. And yeah, go ahead. Well, I think you're right. You're exactly right. I mean, I think, and I think the other thing that I was excited about was a little bit of, of downtime to regroup and refresh and to go back and, and have some more practices. You know, I think one of the things that's hard to do during the season is change your team because you're playing so many games and so i think i also think you know for coaches scheduling is important you know like whether you come back off the christmas break or whatever it is like where can you get yourself a five-day set of practices to really make your team better i think you should schedule that into your season whenever possible yeah 100 percent and because that's where you you can go back to the basics. You can grab their attention. You now have film. You have numbers to show. You have things. You have data, hard data that you can take to your team and say, "Look, we are not getting it done in this area." Or, "Hey, we're doing great in this area." And you build on those things, or you revamp, or you reset, you level set. Uh, I agree. I always loved. I always loved that that part of the season as a player. You know, because whether you're doing well or you're doing bad, like you could go back and, and press reset. Yeah. And there's just something really valuable about that. Yeah, I think I think breaking it up for players is important too. Like, hey, there's the preseason, right? Do what you can. Then there's the first part of the season. And then there's this mini break. 
right? And then you come into January, February, it's a stretch run, and then there's the postseason. And I think each one of those seasons should be treated differently, and I think each one of those seasons should, should you know, almost recalculate and regauge what needs to happen next. But I think, you know, in that middle part of the season, you've, like you said, you have the data, data to evaluate where you're at. And I think you need to um, really, like, hone in at that point. Like, when we went to that break, I think that um, there was three things that were really crucial to us. Number one, we had to get set in our roles. Even if they were the wrong roles, we needed to know our job. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think we knew what wasn't working, right? So we needed to make sure that that changed. And then three, we knew what was working, and we needed to get even better at that and stick to that. That's really good. And, I mean, when, when you are looking at those roles, you've now got – a, lot, a bigger sample size of evaluation of your own players. And that's where you see a lot of coaches at this time start to narrow their rotation down because you've given a lot of guys or a lot of girls the opportunity to show what they can do and evaluate it. And then you might you might start dialing in even more to roles. To, you know, some people maybe need to accept some roles, which should be some tough conversations. Yeah. How do you navigate that as a coach? Well, I think there's a couple things there, you know, we talked about shortening the rotation, which is oftentimes a really good thing. Um, but I think there are times in years where you change the rotation. You know, I think you go into the preseason and you have preset that you feel like certain players are going to get the job done, but you're 10 games in now and you're like, you know what? Actually, they're not, and so-and-so is getting the job done better, you know? And so I think that might be some hard conversation both ways, like people that had high expectations and got a lot of playing time realizing that your role's changing and other players' roles are stepping up or some people's are diminishing. I think, I think all of those things are on the table, you know, as far as it's same thing with scheme. Same thing with culture, like what's beating you in culture, what things aren't working, and how are you going to fix those things? And so I, I really think it's just a soul-searching time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's watching video, it's having conversations with players, but uh, I think it's really important, like you said, those hard conversations with players as far as your role is, 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 is really important because it doesn't matter what you think their role is um, if you can't get them to buy into it. Yeah, you're, you're almost like relaying the foundation, right, for the stretch run. You may even tear down the house some where you, you break down the walls, take the roof off. Oh, we got some cracks in the foundation. You got to go plug those cracks because you're gearing up for that stretch run. Uh, I mean, in a sense, yeah, aren't you Yeah, because that middle that? part of the season is so crucial because, like I said before, you know, in the beginning of the season, you're likely on a two, three games a week type thing, and you really – the things that you thought were going to happen aren't happening and you haven't had time to fix them because you're playing games. And so that's why I think it's really crucial is because you, you finally, and I think a lot of coaches, like I said before, they need to schedule in those times because if you don't and you go through your first eight, 10 games and you realize, Oh my gosh, this is not the right plan. The night, right, right night, the right rotation or whatever it might be. How are you going to fix it? And I think it's important to, to make sure you have that time to fix it. Yeah. Cause you, in the early part of the season, you're playing new teams, some teams that, that you, you've never played before. So you're trying to get your team right. And I think I think really good programs, really good coaches continue to get their team right and keep the focus on their team. But as you go into this middle part, stretch run, later part, you're playing conference or region games, uh, depending on what level you're at. 
uh, district games. You're going to start playing opponents twice. So game planning and scouting become really important. Mm -hmm. But there's a balance of scouting and game planning with also getting your people right. And some of that has to do with your team. If you're like a state championship, national championship type team, you know that your biggest competition is probably you. Um, if you're not, you know how important game planning me and you might could steal as a coach. You know, I, I can go – maybe we're going on a 10-game stretch and we probably are a 3-7 and seven team talent-wise. I might could steal us and make us 6-4 and four or 7-3. and three. And so some of it has to do with the type of team. But you're balancing this the scouting with, with still getting your team right. Yeah. Well, I think you're, you're answering that question right about that in the middle of the year, right? Like, I mean, let's just say that you started out eight and two and you're doing well and things are going as planned, right? Then I think you start thinking about, well, gosh, I, I can't be comfortable. What can I do to enhance our team now? Is it focusing more on your opponent? Is it whatever? Or you might be in a crisis mode where you're two and eight and you realize, my gosh, we're not good enough. And so then it's like, forget about scouting. Forget about everything else. We got to get right. You know, and so I think it's sometime during the season, and I've been in both those places. I've been at, you know, this midterm of this year was like, you know what? Here's what I know. I know what it takes to win a championship, and we're not good enough. And so I've got to put reset, and I've got to make us good enough. And I've also been at the break where we've been 12 and 0 and said, you know what? Gosh, we got a good team here. What do I need to do to make sure we stay locked in, and what can I do to take us to the next level? I think a big pain point, and I don't know if you took, had it this year and if you're willing to share, but I think a lot of coaches reach a point, too, where maybe it's one of their best players or their best player, and they're not quite seeing the growth, the buy-in, and you get to a point where it's like, I know a lot of coaches, and I've had many conversations with college and high school coaches, they're like, well, I just want to kind of like make sure, keep things smooth. Um, uh, sailing smoothly you know through the end of the year I don't really want to ruffle feathers I think that can be a huge mistake because you've made it so far and you're like well I don't really want to have that conversation because it could rock the boat too much and that's a real challenge too I know you don't you're not looking for trouble you're not looking for confrontation but if you avoid it I think there's a really critical p component of the season yeah I think at the end of the day um, it, it's kind of like what do you want out of, out of your team and um, I'll give an example let's just say that you're seven and three but you know your best player is not locked in or they're selfish or whatever it is and you're like well gosh if we keep going through this we're 16 or 14 and six and maybe 21 and nine to finish the season that's a pretty good season so I'm not sure I want to rock the boat right now right but you might be making that decision at the expense of making a 24 and four or 24 and five team you know, into a champion because you weren't willing to do that, you know, and I think that's where a lot of people get themselves caught. And so at the end of the day, you know, the one thing that I've, that's been great for me in my career is I've never been afraid to have the tough conversations because I know that if there's something that doesn't feel championship caliber, that I want to address it. And I think a lot of times, like you alluded to, that a lot of people say, well, maybe it's not championship caliber, but I also could blow this ship up if I go and have this conversation, I've always been comfortable with blowing the ship up, you know, like I, I like lukewarm medium in the middle has never been okay with me. Like I'd rather go the other direction. I'd rather blow it up and give myself a shot at a championship or blow it up than just be okay with being average. And look, I'll go a step further. I, I, I could 
I want to win a championship, but some I could care less about the championship if you know I, I'm more interested in the young person, you know, reaching them in a way that's saying what you're doing right now is not okay. It's not good enough. It's not your best. Yeah. And that's that's laying the foundation for well past you know. And I, I know you're you know in the same boat as me on that, but you know, championship or not, you know. You're not being the best teammate. You're not giving your best effort. You're not locked in and being on, on, fully on board on where we're going. Just isn't good enough. It's not good enough for your life. It's not good enough ten years down the road, let alone right this moment. You know, there's a, there's a team this year here in Georgia. There, you know, I had a conversation with a coach who's been very successful, and his best player wasn't bought in, and they were state championship caliber team, but he knew they were not coming close to hitting their ceiling because they couldn't get this this person to buy in and you know tried some courageous conversations still couldn't make a breakthrough um but i think coaches do have to have the willingness to have that tough conversation i think there's more regret in not having them mm-hmm. at the end of the year right there's a ton of regret in that but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna share a few things that um that changed our season because we were 500 hovering around mediocrity before we went on a big roll. And I want to share some of those things. But before I do, let's take a break and get our communication tip of the day from our friends at Team Snap. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's communication tip of the episode. Coaches, I'd love for you to ask your players this. If you put one of your players out in a five-on-five set and their only ability to impact the play was verbally, would they be able to have an impact on the game? If they were unable to use their hands and unable to use their feet, but simply was able to communicate, that was their only tool to impact the game, would they have an impact on the practice? Would they have an impact on the game? It's a challenge that we can give to our players to see if they are thinking in a way of communication and if they are ready to be able to utilize the tool of communication to enhance things. I tell you, if you can master the ability to communicate and you combine that with your ability to play and ability to think the game, all of a sudden you've created a dynamic trio of skill sets. Challenge your players this week. If all they could do was communicate, would they still be able to impact the game? Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app that's helping get everyone organized all season long from coaches, players, and parents. It's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. All right, Sam. So so we were hovering around 500. You saw us at the break, and some things needed to change. And every year it's different what needs to change. But um, there was a couple things that I was committed to um, changing and um, – over the course of the years, one of the things that I found is like assuming seniors are going to take care of their business. A lot of times, seniors at college level are thinking about their future and what's next. And I don't think it's that much different from high school. They're thinking about, am I getting a scholarship? Or, you know, this is the end of my career. Does it matter? Is that much? You know, there's a lot of things that can go on with your with your veteran leaders. And so one thing that we wanted to address is, is where were our seniors at? You know, like how locked in are they? How focused are? What are their aspirations and goals? And how does it fit into what the team was doing? And one of our crucial players good guy but really locked in on playing professional basketball after the season and so when we got into that situation um he was making decisions that were self-serving not even on purpose but just 
he needed to to see that success because he wanted it to happen. So we had to have some real, real hard conversations, uh, which at the end of the year panned out to him being the national player of the year and uh, panned out to him being the MVP of the tournament and all different types of things because he, he, he went back to being selfless. He always was a selfless guy. Then he became a little bit selfish. Then he went back to being selfless. But we had to really navigate that. That was one thing. The second thing is um, I knew we couldn't win a championship without being a great defensive team, and we were an average defensive team at best. And so that's another X's and O's thing that had to go back, and we had to reset and recalibrate to be able to do that. And the third thing I think in the middle of the season is that uh, our players players didn't have clarity on their roles and they had to get crystal clear so those are three things that I made sure it happened around Christmas break was that listen everybody's going to know their role our best players are going to be selfless again and our team's going to lock down on the defensive end yeah that's true and every every level you know seniors like you said in high school they're they're thinking college and you're dealing with uh this guy wanting to go play professionally and you know at the high major power five level division one you got the freshman who's thinking about you know his professional and you got agents and every coach every level middle school all the way through you know to me coaching travel like everybody has their challenges I think the theme here is the willingness to look in the mirror, the willingness to ask the tough, critical self-questions. Are you doing everything? Am I, as a coach, doing everything my team, my program, my players need from me? And getting a real honest answer from yourself. And I think this even goes, TJ, getting an outside eye on your team at this point in the season. Mm Mm-hmm. I think can be really important, valuable. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. it was really crucial at the break just to have conversations with you after he watched our team. And my dad, when he's watching our team, has been a coach. Like, you know, just to – sometimes you get so caught up in the storm, right, of like what's going on that you can't even see outside of it. And I think that um, no matter how long you've been coaching, that can be a problem. And so I think always having people – to, to give you an outside view is really, really important. I think not and the, just – And the right people. Yeah, say. the right people, Yeah. And, but not just – I mean, that's true in life, right? I mean, you can be in the 15th year of your marriage and things start slipping, but you don't know because you're just in that same habit and you don't have somebody holding you accountable for that, right? So it can happen in any aspect of your life, and I think it's crucial to have those people that can step in you know, to your life. And you know, I think I remember you telling us, hey, and I shared it with my team. You said this is the worst communicating team you've had in 10 years. And it was a big part of our team. And I knew we had a lot of problems defensively, but I wasn't keying in on that. But you bringing that up and my dad saying, hey, listen, I'm not sure your guys know whose role is what and who's going to get what playing time. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so it was really important for me to hear those things, to kind of hammer those things down to make our team, help our team take the next step. So let's recap what, what you've shared, you know, as those three action steps, you know, addressing your leadership, having to be your seniors, your best player. Um, the third thing being roles, yep, and the and, dialing in on those three things. And defense dialing I'm in. Sorry, on yeah, defense. Deep, so maybe a tactical, a strategic thing yeah. you can do. And they're different every year. They're not the same, you know. But that's where they were this year. Yeah, you, you may have you may have a bottom, the back end of your bench, ten, eleven, you know, ten, eleven, twelve that are cutting up and undercutting yeah. you. Yeah, that's. I mean, to be honest with you, that you could add that as a fourth. I remember calling in the last five guys on our bench and saying. Listen, I want you to know that um, I'm, I'm borderline thinking about just cutting all of you right now. Wow. And it, it was a really hard conversation. Like, what are you talking about? Because you want to know where their minds were? We're not winning enough. I should be playing. And so when I called them in there and rocked their world with, you know what? I think maybe the best thing for the team right now is to cut the five of you. 
everyone just sat up straight like what what is he talking about like i'm thinking we should play more and i here's why you're not filling your role you know right now you're inside your own head thinking well that guy's not getting it done i should be playing and what i need on the bench what this team needs on the bench is five guys committed to supporting their teammates. And I know it's not the role that you want, but this is the role that you have. So I need to know whether you can fill that role or not. Mm. And it was a really hard conversation to have with those guys. And uh, it, it, to be honest with you, they were transparent, and it was a two-hour conversation you know, to figure out where they were at and why I think I should be doing this thing. And with one of the players, I said, listen, here's what I believe needs to happen for the team, and, I, I, and I've been doing this a while, and here's what you think needs to happen for the team. You think you need to be playing more and doing this, right? We've got a big time problem here. Like we're not on the same page. And so we're going to have to, we're going to have to make a decision. Is this a group conversation? It was a group conversation that parted off into a one-on-one conversation. Because the other four guys got it. You know what I mean? They're like, okay, coach made it crystal clear. And I want to be a part of this team. The other guy was like, well, I think I should be playing. I said, hey, listen, totally respect the fact that you're willing to speak your mind here. You know? Yeah. Absolutely, that's what I want from you. But now we need to have another conversation. And we went in that room and we had that conversation, along with having a, a conversation with one of my freshmen who is a very talented player who wasn't playing. And, and me saying to him, hey, listen, um, we need to decide how you need to finish out this year. I think it's probably best for you to transfer at the end of the year because um, I, I, I just don't think you buy into what we're about. And um, and uh, that's going to hurt the team unless you do buy in. And I don't think it's going to happen because we're, you know, two-thirds of the way through the season now. And uh, but, but if we're going to be a part of this team, I need to know that you can fill your role really well. And that opened up a whole other conversation, right? Like, all right, am I transferring? Am I not? Am I, you know, that whole yeah, – So you, you jumped right in with this freshman and – called it how you saw it and you fast forward a few months you, you felt like that served because oh, yeah. it, it was important to d- dive in deeper to the the root yeah i mean yeah absolutely because i think what most people would do in that time is just kind of write it out and we'll have this conversation at the end of the year right but to me, like I'm not comfortable sitting in that place. That it's like place, a very is, surface level. Yeah, and we're at a place of like he. I know he's unhappy. He wants to be playing more. I don't think he's buying in. So what do we do? Pretend like everything's okay, right? Let's rewind one year ago. We had a Division One transfer. Twelve games left. We had a two-hour conversation. It ended with I'm done right now, and I'm transferring. And it was the best thing for the team, you know. And and I think people want to see it in some other way but we've you i think it was you that did the article or somebody did an article on pgc like the best thing you might be doing for this team right now is quit yeah. you know and and i think at the end of the day the best thing he could do for the team and the best thing i could help him to do was to quit because at that point in time he was not helping the team and i've got a pretty strict rule if you're not adding value you're taken away from the so, team. So let's go back to the freshman you, you mentioned. You had this conversation, then it opened up another conversation. So what? Where did where did y'all come out of it? Well, I can tell you where we're at right now, and where we're at right now, he hasn't fully convinced me he should be back. But I can tell you, in his heart and mind, he's 100 percent committed to being back. He, he's all in, and uh, I see it in all of his actions right now that, man, I better show up to chapel in a different way. I better show up to study hall in a different way, and so, so. I'm still holding the rope tight. Like he's come from 20% brought in to 90% bought in, but I'm still struggling with that last 10%. I don't know if we're going to get there. Mm. And, uh, but he's convinced himself he wants to be back and wants to be a part of this. But I don't think unless I walked him to the ledge, he would have ever come to this point. Mm. 
Yeah. Now those are that's that's the art of coaching, right? There's yeah. no, you don't read that in a book, and it's you know as coaches listening, what would you tell them, TJ? Is like how to navigate that? You trust your instinct. I think trust your instinct, but I think it goes back to our very first episode of this one right here, where adversity is part of it, right? And the 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 sooner you become good at welcoming adversity as a coach, the better your team is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so this is adversity. We've got a problem. We acknowledge the problem and we hit it head on. Therefore, we're going to find a solution to the problem. And uh, I don't know what the solution is, to be honest with you. I don't know if this everything changes and he's all in. And, he, and I've had plenty of players I've done that with before that their sophomore, junior year, they were model citizens for our basketball team. I've also had players where the best thing they did was quit. And so I've been to both places of it. So I'm not attached to the outcome. So you have the private conversation. Like, but how do you, do you go back and let the team know that this is a conversation that's had? Because you know that player is sharing some components. We don't know whether he's sharing all of what he, you know, he might share something that, that leads, leaves him in a better light in front of his teammates. But you know that's, you know, percolating through the team. Yep. So how do you there, – there's some things that are said in, a, in an office right. that don't get reshared. There's some things you have to have communicated in front of the entire team so everybody knows what, what did you do in that situation. Communicated it to the team without embarrassing him. I think that's my kind of my gauge mm-hmm. is like this is our team. So like I, I get it that he has feelings and I have feelings. But it's not about his feelings. It's not about my feelings. It's about the team. It always goes back to the team. Yeah, the team is trumps everything. And so we shared that. But I always try and share it in a way that honors the player, in a way that doesn't um, hide the facts or whatever, but at the same time doesn't embarrass a player. So it might sound something like this. Hey, just an FYI, you know, so-and-so and I have had this conversation. I'm not happy with where they're at. I don't think they're all the way bought in. I don't know it's in their best interest to return to this team in the future. We're working through the process right now so that you all know where this player stands. And I think it's important for everybody to know that that's where it's at. And I think it means a lot to the team to know that, like, because otherwise they, their interpretation is I accept the way this person's showing up. You know, no different. We had a, another senior that we had the same conversation with that I said, listen, you've been here five years now, Okay. And, and, and right now, you know better than what you're doing. Well, I'm doing better than so-and-so. That's not it. You're here five years now, you know? Expectations different. Yeah, and so we had that conversation, and um, that person showed up late to practice. And, uh, and I said, in front of the team, I said, so-and-so showed up late to the practice. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to run 12-22s, and then they're going to be suspended for a game. Ready? It was just a matter of consequences. We've had enough conversations, right? It was a matter of consequences. And uh, one of the players, I said, any question? One of the players said, well, you know, is that, is that the rule that if one of us shows up late, that's what's going to happen? I said, absolutely, that's not the rule. But that's his rule because he's been here five years and he knows better. You know? And so that's his rule. And they're like, okay, we understand. And I said, is there anybody that has any problem with that decision, including the player that I'm making the decision about? Nobody had a problem. But the, the precedent was set. Like, you, your standard's higher, you know? And I, and I think a lot of people have trouble with that like uh um coach k says you know i think rules are for people who are afraid to make decisions yeah you know and so i don't have a whole lot of rules for our team and i get it you know sometimes you have parents that well this player didn't do this and this player didn't do that and you have to navigate that your own way um but for me i was pretty pretty crystal clear on you know i'm going to make a decision in the moment that serves the team 
I was going to say, I don't, I don't know that most players and or parents that they believe that everybody should be treated the same. And it's, it's from a coach's, and some coaches may may hold that value. But what you're saying is you don't, and I agree with you. Well, I, I think I'd ask parents this: Do you have multiple kids? Yes. Do you treat them all the exact same? You know, I don't. I don't think people do. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't treat my kids the same way. Now, just like a team, there's non-negotiables, right? Like right. everybody has to show up to practice and be on time, okay? But if it's somebody's first time, and every time they show up, they give everything they got and their alarm clock didn't go off, not a big deal to me, you know? You've been here three years and your alarm clock's gone off for three years and it didn't go off this time. I understand. But if you were late five times as a freshman, four times as a sophomore... There's a problem, you know, and, and that needs to be dealt with. And so I, I wouldn't treat that young man the same way I treat the young man that shows up every time 30 minutes early to practice that was late for practice. Yeah, so coaches, you know, addressing these issues as they arise and going back to episode one when we were talking and TJ specifically talking about adversity is going to happen, knowing it's going to happen, being prepared for it. Not even being prepared for it is being willing to, to embrace it and take it on head on and go attack it and the elephant is in the room don't pretend like it's not there let's talk about it being in the room and let's figure out what we're going to do to get it out yeah Um, i think that's a key component yeah we could do a whole nother episode on how to talk about it you know best ways to approach it but uh, i don't think ignoring it is is the best approach so you know we've gone through the preseason the first part of the season the middle part of the season then finally we'll wrap up on our next episode uh, with the stretch run but uh, thanks for tuning in check us out at hardwood hardwood underscore hustle on social media let us know what your questions are email us we, we, we really want to serve you where you're at coaches but uh, thanks for tuning in i'm tj rosine this is sam allen and look forward to wrapping up this series on the next one